it's not like general insurance we have to always get re-underwritten every year. Once you've got the cover, it's yours. If your health situation changes, if your financial situation changes, even if your occupation changes, they can't change the terms of the cover. You're listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast. Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 179 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. In the last episode, we covered life insurance. Today, we will look into TPD insurance, total and permanent disability. Here's Daniel Mikhail of Partners Wealth Group in Sydney with more. What means total disability for any occupation? Does that mean I can't move my arms or legs or does it mean I'm brain damaged and can't talk? How disabled do you need to be to have total disability? In any occupation? In, in, in any occupation. So the way that's defined typically within retail products, there's a number of definitions, but the main one is solely because of sickness or injury, the insured has not been working in any occupation for three consecutive months. So you've got to be out of work for at least three consecutive months. But and that's not very hard, you know? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. However, and, and in, in the insurer's opinion after consideration of medical and any other evidence, is incapacitated to such an extent to render the life insured unable ever to be able to work in any occupation for which they are reasonably suited by training, education or experience, which would pay remuneration at a greater rate than 25% of the life insured's earnings during their last 12 months of work. So there's a few things to that definition, okay? One, you've got to be unable to work for three months. In their opinion, looking at all the medical evidence, incapacitated to such an extent that you're ever unable to return back to work and unable to work in an occupation that they're reasonably suited by training, education or experience, which would pay a salary or, or an income at a rate greater than 25% of the life insured's previous income. So that means if somebody was earning quite a lot before the accident, mm -hmm. then they probably find it a lot easier to qualify because let's say they were on $800,000 before per year and now they can't move their arms and they can't move their legs but they can still talk. They wouldn't be able to earn 25% of their previous salary in a call center, for example. Yeah. But if somebody was on a reasonably low income, then one could argue, well, you Correct. can still talk, you can yep. work in a call centre. Exactly so for right. them, it would be very difficult that's to right. qualify as long as their brain and their yep. ability to speak is still that, That's still exactly there. right. And that's why the uni occupation is very broad, um, whereas the own occupation is very specific to what you do. Yes, but it also means that a high-income earner will find it a lot easier to qualify for the any occupation than a low-income earner. Um, well, y y yes and no. So they have to be able to go back to work, earn at least 25% or more of their previous income. Yeah, but what you're saying just makes me think that TPD is a really good idea for high-income earners, 
but it just makes me think that it's not such a good idea for people on very low incomes because 25% of their previous very low income. There are various components to the overall definition. That That's one component. You know, the other component would be the life insured suffers blindness or, okay, so the, or loss of limbs. So that, that that's just one segment of the overall definition. Oh, okay. There are more, yeah, there's more various, specific. There's, there's various legs to the definition. I've just covered up one main leg. You know, the other leg would be blindness, loss of use of limbs, loss of sight in one eye or, and of use of a single limb. Uh, and then there's, yeah, as I said, there, there's many other... I see. My example then that somebody can't move their arms or legs anymore, they would then still qualify under yes. the other criteria. Yes, that's right, because it's or. It's not and. Okay. So it says section one of the definition is this, or section two, or and so on and so forth. Yes. Yeah, So and, and it's a lot more, we find anyway, a lot more comprehensive with retail than it is with industry. I see. In so respect. in general, it's easier to qualify for a retail policy than yeah. it is to qualify yeah. for an industry policy. Correct. Because there's more legs to the definition, if you like, in terms of so your ability to qualify for a claim is a little bit higher than, than an industry fund. Yeah. yeah. But it's incredibly difficult to compare, isn't it? It because is. Because if you just look at the value and the premiums, it's only half of the story. The other half of the story is what conditions you need Correct. to meet to qualify. Yeah, the devil's always in the detail. And that's mm -hmm. where we drill down into it and, and have a look at what are the fundamental differences between retail versus industry or the client's industry product. Um, and, you know, we then have a conversation around, have a conversation with our client saying, how important is this to you? If it's really important, then obviously that leads to a discussion around moving towards retail. If it's not important and they're happy to continue with the industry fund, well, that's fine so long as they've made an informed decision. That's what, we, And that's what we're here to do. We're, in, we're here to empower people to make informed decisions around their insurance affairs. How do you compare different policies? Do you just go from product disclosure statement to product disclosure statement or do you have software that then Yeah, we have software. Or yeah, if we had to read every product disclosure statement, we wouldn't get anything done. So, yeah, so we have software that compares that and, and within that it will show us extracts out of the PDS which we can then drill down into. So all the information we need to make, um, you know, to provide our clients with sound financial advice is all available through our software. Where it's not, then that obviously forces us to pick up a PDS and have a bit of a read. So given what you just told me, mm. TPD could cover being sick with cancer or dying. It doesn't mean necessarily disability as we think of disability. When you think of disabilities, you think of a wheelchair or you yes. think of a walking stick, but a TPD would also cover somebody who's not disabled as such, who's just sick with, who's just very sick or dying. Not necessarily dying, but TPD would basically, I mean, you've got to be unable to return back to your occupation, right? Whether that's due to a sickness or an injury. Yes, but and, could, and I think yeah. a lot of people miss the sickness part because you can be permanently disabled due to sickness. And an example I had probably about three or four years ago now, admittedly this was an own occupation definition, was a pharmacist who had incorrectly dispensed two bits of medication to a patient. Those medications were taken together and shouldn't have been. As a result, that patient passed away. 
Okay, there was a big coronial inquiry into it, and obviously that put that client under an enormous amount of stress, given the situation that he was facing, and he could no longer stand behind a dispensary again because he was mentally traumatised. So he was rendered to be totally and permanently disabled. He couldn't perform the normal functions of his occupation again because he was too traumatised by what had occurred. And he was paid out and was successful. So TPD also covers mental Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And look, not many people would know that, uh, but you can be permanently disabled due to mental health. You can't be disabled under TPD policy by being seriously ill because you might get better again. But you can be covered if you are terminally ill, not necessarily dying within 12 to 24 months, which a life insurance Mm. would cover. But if you are already quite unwell and your life expectancy is lowered and it's highly unlikely that you will ever return to work again, you, uh, then yeah. the TPD could also kick in. Correct, yeah. You have, to, you have to be unable to return back to work and that's the key thing you've got to – and it's got to be permanent. You know, I've seen cases when I just spoke to an insurance company this morning where clients said they were TPD for whatever reason, a payment's been made and then a couple, a couple of years later they're able to return to some work. And what happens there? Nothing. Because they've assessed the claim, they've paid out the claim. Now, that's different to some industry funds. And, for instance, Australian Super is one of them, where they won't necessarily pay out the full benefit. They might pay out a little bit today. And then wait and see. Wait a year or two and reassess. Wait a couple of years, reassess, and keep reassessing the claim until such time where the full benefit is paid out. So Australian Super is an industry fund? Correct, yeah. yeah. Which industry? Australian Super is just a general industry fund. It's not specific to any particular industry, fund, okay. industry, I should say. I see. And there used to be a lot of employer funds, but most employer funds have now rolled out into industry funds. Like I remember, you know, the big companies, they all had their own super fund, like BHP, NAB, etc. And I think, for example, BHP now has rolled into... Plum, I think. Look, there is certainly a lot of consolidation going on within the super space. So it tends not to so much be employer funds anymore. It tends to be industry or government funds or retail funds. Yes. Look, you've got all weird and wonderful names coming out Mm. with their own super fund. I heard the other day, yesterday on the radio, that Kogan are coming out with their own super fund. So it just goes to show you who's getting involved in the market. So that would be a retail fund. That would be a retail fund, correct, yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting that the likes of, like, Kogan are getting involved in super. As we know, Kogan, they're mainly selling, you know, mobile, all, phones. mobile phones and all the, and all, their, gadgets. all the gadgets, yeah, mm. and have no real connection to super. So that means they must see money in super. Potentially, mm. yep. Well, I think it is a trillion-dollar industry or something in Australia, so it's, it's a pretty big industry. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they cut into the market. Assesses TPD. Is it usually an independent expert, family GP, it's, insurance company? So the product disclosure statements always refer to two medical practitioners. Of the choice of the uh, insured? I believe that's the case. Again, it is subject to it is subject to the individual policy, but I believe it's two two medical practitioners have to sign off to say this person is totally and permanently disabled and can no longer work. 
So there are these two different concepts, any occupation and own occupation. Yes. Any occupation you can have within super or outside of super, but own occupation you can only have outside of super. That's correct. You can't have own occupation inside super. You used to be able to once upon a time, but the problem was assuming you were TPD'd and you qualified for a claim under the own occupation policy, the proceeds have to go back to the trustee. Now, in order for the trustee to release that money to the insured, you've got to meet a CIS condition of release. Now, the CIS definition of incapacitation wasn't aligned with the own occupation TPD policy. So what we would often see is payment will get paid into the fund. And it can't get but out. But it can't get out. So what's the, what's the point of having the cover if you can't get it out until you've met a condition of release? So I think it was from 2014, if I remember correctly, from that point on, which you can't hold own occupation TPD inside super any, anymore. I see, because any occupation meets the CISACT requirements as a condition of it release. Does. Hence, if it goes into super, it can come out come again. Out. Yeah, no problem at all. It meets it entirely, but the own occupation does not. And then I think there's this super linked product, isn't yes. it? When you, if you have one policy, but the any occupation is within the super, and then the own occupation is outside of super, that is a super linked product. That's a super linked product. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's basically where it, it's effectively one TPD policy split into two components. So you have the any occupation which sits inside super, tax deductible to super. So roughly sixty to seventy percent. Um, of the premium is funded through super. Again, it varies per product. And then the balance, which is the own occupation bolt-on, if you like, sits outside super and funded personally. So what happens in the event of a claim is the insurer will assess you under the any occupation definition first. If and you, if you qualify under you that, qualify, it goes into super? Gets paid into super out to, out to you uh, or the insured, I should say. If you don't qualify under the any, then they assess you under the own, which sits outside super. Assuming you qualify for that, then you get paid out. And it goes directly to the insured. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And you would go for this linked super policy so that you still get the tax deduction Correct. within super. It's the best way to structure it from a tax deductibility perspective. And is TPD an agreed value or linked to actual earnings? It's an agreed value. So, so basically you've got to work out what you need. Uh, and again, that's where we get involved with our clients to, to ascertain what level of coverage they need for their own individual circumstances. And then we basically tell the insurer or apply for that level of cover to put that in place. I see. Yep. So basically, with the exception of income protection, mm -hmm. the other three main personal insurance products being life insurance, TPD and trauma, yep. you basically always have an agreed value and it's not linked to earnings. Not linked to earnings, no. no. Okay. I mean, the, the benefit of the benefit that you take out might be a function of what you earn because you might need to replace X amount of your income for a period of time. Therefore, in determining how much coverage you need, it could be indirectly linked to how much you're, you're earning. But, but, the, insurer but the, insurance, the insurance company doesn't, doesn't look at that. They're just looking at, okay, well, how much is this person applying for? Is it justified based on their current financial situation? If it is, great. If it's not, then they start asking some questions. So when you apply for a certain cover, be it for life insurance, be it for TPD or trauma, 
I can imagine they especially ask that for life insurance. If somebody's on $60,000 per year and they suddenly want a $10 million life insurance. Massive question mark. They will yeah. raise w- questions. Yeah, they're going to ask the question, why? How did you justify this? So it's important to note that they're not just, just because you're willing to pay that premium doesn't mean that you're going to get the cover because you need to justify why you need that level of coverage. And if it doesn't make sense, then you won't get the cover. So, yeah, there's got to be some just sort of justification behind the coverage. Mm. Yeah. But once you have the agreed value for life insurance, for TPD, for trauma, yep. there's no going back and looking at actual earnings. No. or no. they can't look at it. No, that's it. So once it's underwritten, it's not like general insurance where you have to always get re-underwritten every year. Uh, once you've got the cover, it's yours. Uh, so if your health situation changes, if your financial situation changes, even if your occupation changes, they can't change the terms of the cover. So you could be today, you could be an accountant today, you're assessed as an accountant from an occupation perspective, you pay X amount in premium, next year you decide, I want to get into, I want to get into mining, obviously a high-risk occupation, they can't take that cover away from you and they can't change the terms of the cover. So you'll continue to pay premiums based as an accountant, even though you're doing a, a much riskier occupation. No tax deduction outside of super, tax yep. deduction inside of super. When it comes to a claim, the portion that is inside of super goes into super and the portion that is outside of super goes in outside of super. The total superannuation balance has no effect on what amount goes into super. It passes that, just as it did with life insurance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yes. matter if the TSB is over 1.6 million. That's right. Does any payment that goes into super, does that go into the taxable component untaxed element or is there a formula, formula again? again? Yeah, yeah. So, so, okay. so basically you get the benefit amount multiplied by the future service days, which is basically the number of days from when the member terminated employment or ceased gainful employment to the member's last retirement date. And that's typically age 65. Who tells the insured the result of this calculation? Because, for example, if I had a client who received a TPD payment, Mm -hmm. I would have no idea how to calculate what goes into the untaxed element. Does the insurance company tell you what goes into the untaxed element or one just has to then kind of work it out somehow? Yeah, again, again, I I, I think you've got to, um, again, I think this gets taxed. I do wonder whether it gets taxed by the insurance company or whether the well, insurance company withholds tax. It would be the trustee. Tax. The trustee would have to work it out because ultimately... The trustee of the SMSF. Of, of the of, super fund. Of any yeah. super fund. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so in the case of an SMSF, the trustee would have to have work, to work it, it out. out. Yeah, yeah. So whether they get an accountant involved to work it out. <laughs> whether the accountant then knows what to do. What to do, that's exactly right. Hopefully they don't ask yeah. me. Yeah. So to summarise... Hold any and own occupation outside of super. And if not possible, actually, you can't say that again. It really comes again. It's like with life. You need to weigh up the fact that you get a a tax deduction inside of super. You have to weigh that up with the question of whether you have tax dependence. No, so tax dependency doesn't come into this. Oh, really? For TPD. 
Because it's getting paid out to you. Oh, yes, of course. So it's you're still with the us. member. That's right. So the member's still around, whereas in the previous situation. So then it would be better to hold any within the super fund because it, you get the tax deduction. You get you... the tax deduction, but there's always going to be, in most cases, there's going to be some tax that you're going to pay. Because you got the tax deduction. Because you got tax deduction. That's right. So the, the rule so. of thumb with generally with anything in the, in the accounting world is if you're getting a tax deduction... You pay on the benefit. You pay it on the benefit or the proceeds, right? I haven't seen any situation where you get a tax deduction, but the, the other the proceeds are not assessable. So in this case, it's no different. You get a tax deduction on the premium, but when the proceeds are paid, again, there's a complex formula to work out what's taxable and what's not taxable. But in most cases, there are there is some tax. Now, what you can do is you can gross up that benefit by the tax amount. So you work out what the tax amount is today. Add that onto the sum insured that you need so that the net benefit you'll end up getting from the insurance payout will be exactly what you need. Okay, so with life insurance, mm. you do get a tax deduction when inside super. Yes. But there is a possibility that you don't pay tax on the payment if it goes to your That's spouse or your yes. dependent children. That's right. With TPD, you do get a tax deduction inside of super, but there is some form of there is tax. some tax yeah. on the benefit payment. That's right. That's right. I and obviously, the closer you are to age 60 or 65, I should say, the less that tax becomes. It's always a moving target. This this tax amount. It's not. It's not. It's ah. not a. It's not a fixed amount today, and, and that's how much you're going to be up for. It's progressively getting less as you get older. Now I'm with you. There is tax on yes. the TPD because you're below 60 or 65. That's right. Because there is tax on various taxable components mm -hmm. when you withdraw, when you meet a condition of release before you're 60 or Correct. 65. Yep. That is the tax you're talking about. Yeah, yep. I That's see. That's right. Welcome back. So with TPD, it is really important that you look at the fine print meaning the conditions to qualify for an insurance payout. Don't just compare the premiums for sums insured, but look at the conditions it takes to qualify. In the next episode, episode 180, Daniel Mikkel will talk about income protection, trauma insurance, and some business-related personal insurances. Until then, thank you for listening, and thank you to Klaas for their support. Bye for now, and see you in the next episode.